Hey, welcome to an episode. This week for the Five Heart Podcast, we are doing a special Big Ten baseball preview for the 2023 season. And I am joined by Patrick Ebert from D1 Baseball. He's a national writer and he covers the Big Ten. He's going to tell us all about everything about the Big Ten and baseball. Uh, because my two baseball writers aren't here tonight. Uh, Todd and Aaron, who you guys know as Brutus. So oh, we're gonna we're just gonna make this up as we go. Patrick, you need to plug yourself and you need to plug D1 baseball. That's right. yeah. So if you're not familiar with D1 baseball, um, I think you need to, to, to immediately educate yourself, go to d1baseball.com. Um, Kendall, Kendall Rogers and Aaron Finn are the main national writers there. Uh, owned by Kyle Peterson, of course, most considered the godfather of college baseball. Um, Omaha residents, so all you Nebraska fans out there know uh, know all about Kyle there. So, But it's, yeah, from, from the rankings to the All-American teams, the season preview, the in-season content. I mean, D1 Baseball is committed to college baseball like no other source out there. So uh, definitely take the time and check it out. Well, baseball season's only a little bit over a week away. Uh, I guess, you know, let's start with the easy stuff. Well, you know what, we'll start with, we're going to start with the 2022 recap. Uh, Maryland won the conference, the Big Ten Conference last year, and made the NCAA tourney. Let's see, Rutgers, Iowa, and Illinois tied for second. And the shock was that Rutgers didn't make the NCAA tourney. Uh, a lot of people were disappointed. If I remember right, it was because Rutgers' IP, RPI was very low or something like that. Nebraska failed miserably, didn't even make the Big Ten tournament, and uh, it was kind of a miserable year for our beloved Huskers. But uh, can, you, can you go from there, start from there, I guess, and give us an overall view of the Big Ten baseball for the conference in 2023. Yeah, I mean, starting with Nebraska, I mean, I know that's what we're here to main focus that we want to talk about. But, you know, I, I think following a year where so much went right for the Huskers, you know, like not much went right for them a year ago. And, um, you know, and if you watch a series of three games, maybe maybe one of the three games, you, know, you saw like what they were capable of. But, you know, for a, for a team especially that you're kind of used to seeing them perform at a high level offensively, they just could never get the bats going consistently. Um, and that, that's something you're not used to seeing w with a Nebraska baseball team. The pitching was just okay, um, you know, and I, they get some of the pieces back, but how they realign some of those pieces going into this next year I think will be, will be key for their success. But overall, you know, you mentioned Rutgers. Um, them not making the NCAA tournament was one of the, one of the worst um, omissions I've seen since I've been covering college baseball. And, and uh, I mean, they were 44 and 15. They finished second in the regular season. They finished second at the Big Ten tournament. Um, they, they had, their offense was ranked, I don't know, top 10. Their pitching, their ERA was 23rd in the nation. Their defense was in the top 20 or something like that. So, I mean, this is a team that had everything, you know, going for them. The, the problem is, you know, you mentioned the RPI. The problem, though, really was that they didn't have any big signature out-of-conference wins. And that was something the selection committee spent a lot of time focusing on last year. Rutgers didn't have them. Um, Iowa didn't have them either. I thought Iowa was a deserving team, um, not quite as obvious as Rutgers. And I think, I think that's what causes people to kind of forget how good Iowa's season was. And they had like the second or third best pitching staff in the nation. That's um, right. Yeah. But it's because Rutgers was the biggest, the bigger omission. And but both of those teams should have been the NCAA tournament. Both teams come back this year really good. Maryland should be good again. Uh, Michigan won the Big Ten tournament, uh, got the automatic bid, and um, you know almost advanced to a super regional, uh, which would have been crazy. But then it was just it was just Michigan and Maryland that made the postseason. Um, a year following that, only three teams made it. So Big Ten's got some work to do. You know, they, they need to proactively uh, work together, which they are, um, to schedule more aggressively. Um, you know, Nebraska's never really had that problem. Nebraska schedules aggressively. But some of the other teams don't, and they, they need to work together on that to make sure that they are playing those marquee non-conference matchups to not only boost their RPI but also boost their overall resumes. 
Okay, so really we're talking about Penn State here, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I don't mean I don't want to single out Penn State, but Penn State's one of them, and you know, but they're building. You know, they they're building back up. Northwestern's building back up, and actually Northwestern has a fairly tough non-conference schedule. But but yeah, some of these teams, you know, you don't want to call them the bottom of the barrel, but you know, you, you can kind of point the finger and and get those teams. They want they want the entire conference to raise the profile, not just like the upper half. Okay, when you say they, who is that? Well, so it starts with the coaches. You know, I think there, I think there's a pretty big divide between the Big Ten itself and the individual teams. And some of the individual teams place a higher, uh, I guess, emphasis on the success of their baseball program. And some of the other t teams, um, you get the sense that not necessarily the coaches or the people involved with the baseball program, but maybe the administration of the schools just have baseball just because they have baseball. And I think last year when only two teams made the NCAA tournament, it opened a lot of eyes um, from that administrative level. And I think it's like, okay, we need to change that. You know, we, we can't keep treating baseball as like this significant divide, you know, like big 10 without a doubt, football, basketball, right? right. Like we know they care about those sports because those are the money makers. Um, but you know, baseball is a money-making sport down south. Um, so those—that's just it. I, you know, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, if you this—I've been doing this now. This would be my 17th year of coronation, and since we've been in the Big Ten, it's really been eye-opening to me. I knew it was going to hurt our baseball program, but what I didn't really understand at the time we moved was that the Big Ten itself doesn't care about baseball at all. I, have you seen any indication that that's changed? Any emphasis I, from the conference level? I I have simply over the off season. The coaches I talked to, there was a kind of a, a new vigor in which the way they talk. You know, you talk to Coach Heller with Iowa, um, right. talk to Coach Bolt. You know, you talk to Coach Vaughn with Maryland. Um, these guys are very serious, and they like what happened last year was a slap in the face. And they want to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I'll tell you what, when, when UCLA joins the conference and you get, you know, John Savage as, as one of the, the coaches in the Big Ten, which seems very crazy to think about, like, he's not going to put up with, like, not, you know, striving for anything other than excellence as a conference. Because, you know, the RPI helps all of the teams yeah. in the Big Ten. You know, who you play, because, you know, RPI factors in your – what is it, your opponent's records and your opponent's opponents. Right. So you want to be playing teams that also play good teams. So UCLA, if they come, you know, you, you mentioned Penn State. I'm not trying to throw Penn State under the bus. I but would. If, by God, every year they just they drove just me insane. You can only play Elon <laughs> so many freaking times. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, you look at some of those mid-major conferences, like the Missouri Valley Conference does a great job scheduling. They're always yeah. one of the highest – RPI conferences because they do a great job. They've got that formula. It it just takes more of that type of pre-planning. Like the Big Ten needs to get better at that. Not just one team, not just five teams, all 13 teams. All right, we're going to try to bring Aaron in, my ba one of my baseball guys. He has a different computer, and we're going to see if his audio works. Uh, Aaron, are you with us? I sure hope so. Sure. Nope. He, he's, he's really <laughs> echoey. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Uh, he's still, he's still not we'll, we'll try it again. All right. Take care. Well, nuts. Like I said, I, I didn't prepare. Get it. Here's the thing. Let's get into the Big Ten Conference. We can, I mean, I can scream and yell about the Big Ten all I want. That is a good point about USC and UCLA joining the conference, uh, that that might make a huge difference in terms of, you know, what the Big Ten does with baseball. It has to elevate it because, like you said, those guys are, you know, they're going to be big hitters and they're not going to put up with some of this stuff. But uh, the Big Ten overall... I haven't looked at it. Is it? I mean, who's going to be the teams that are? Let's say the top four. Do you have a top four? Yeah, I do. If Maryland should repeat, or they're projected to repeat as Big Ten. They're, they're the only Big Ten team ranked in the top twenty-five. I think by most people, including D1 baseball. 
Um, we have Rutgers second. I think you know they're in that picture. Um, the picture of the top twenty-five. I think they could be knocking at the door. I think they, you know, Rutgers made such an impression last year. I think more people are going to take them seriously. And the, and their schedule this year is a lot more legit. They have a lot more challenging non-conference. Um, they start the year at Campbell, and if you don't know Campbell, Campbell is a very good mid-major baseball team. Um, Iowa again. I think we would have third, or I would have third. Uh, Illinois is going to be in that picture. I think that they returned a lot of players that they had last year, um, knocking at the door. Uh, Nebraska, we have fifth. I have fifth. Um, I think Nebraska has the highest potential to bounce back um, from what they did last year, just because it was such a disappointing year. Um, and then, you know, like Indiana. Indiana would be in that mix, maybe Ohio State after that. Michigan, I think, is going to take a step back. And, you know, Michigan has been so good in the Big Ten here for the past – I don't know, five to ten years or more. Um, but I think with the new head coach and Tracy Smith, uh, you're going to see some some player turnover there. The pitching staff was pretty bad last year, and they don't really have that part figured out, which, as we all know, if you don't have your pitching figured out, you know, it's an uphill battle. So Tracy, Eric Backett left Michigan. Yep. And he went to Clemson. Tracy Smith was at Indiana before? Indiana and then Arizona State most recently. Right, yep. and now he's back in the Big Ten. Uh, it's interesting that you picked the, the two top teams are going to be the newcomers to the Big Ten in Maryland and Rutgers. I forget Rutgers coach's name. Steve uh, Owens. Steve Owens. I, I met a bunch of Rutgers people in Nebraska in their series last year, and I talked to uh, – well, I talked to a number of the uh, fans that were there, and a lot of them, I think, were parents of players, and they were talking about how Rutgers is putting a lot of emphasis in their program. And it, I, can, I mean, really what we're talking about in two, three years, we're talking about Maryland Rutgers, Nebraska, USC, and UCLA, and, and Michigan and Ohio State, I think, really care about their baseball programs. Indiana, I'm not sure about Illinois. Purdue, I think, cared about uh, their program, but they've fallen on harder times recently. But I think, don't you think it's, it looks like there, we could, like I said earlier, see more emphasis on baseball because of that? Absolutely. You know, I mean, like I think Iowa's a team. They're going to be building a new stadium, I think, here in the next three to five years. Um, Minnesota, you know, they, they've that's a team that the past couple of years, I mean, we forget in 2018, Minnesota hosted a regional. I mean, right. that was a that was a really good team. Um, and, you know, I mean, Penn State's has is showing promise. They're pointed building in the right direction. Michigan State is building in the right direction. You know, even you know, you mentioned Purdue. I mean, I was at Purdue's field last year for the first time, and and I was I was just amazed. It's a great, great facility, and Purdue's put a lot of money in their athletics, um, and so th there's that part of it. You know, there's these there's teams out there that are investing the money in the facilities because obviously that's a big part of recruiting, and you know, you need good players to to play good baseball and have success. So, so yeah, I I do think that brand, you know, with UCLA and you you you. USC, excuse me, coming to the league is is going to raise that bar because you you've just changed the whole competitive edge. Um, and two, you know, you think about the travel now. Teams have to go out to UCLA and USC to right. to, to play and compete. They're going to see what they have out there too, and, and that's going to change the perspective as well. What what is going on in Minnesota? I mean, they have really. I mean, John Anderson has been there what you know, twenty three years. And he has 40. had how many? Forty-two, I think. Oh my God! He started in nineteen. Okay, see what you're doing here. See what you're doing here. You're adding an extra two decades to my life. When somebody goes, "Yeah, that was a long time ago," I think, "Oh, it's you know, nineteen ninety-two, and really, it was the seventies." I anyway, I'm old. Forty-two years, but he's been a damn good coach over that time frame, and in the last yeah. like. Well, two, three years, they've been not just bad. They've been unbloody. They got awful. Uh, what is going on there? You know, you hate to use the COVID excuse, but I don't know of any other team that got hit worse than COVID. And I, I don't mean to make this like – I'm not trying to make this in a political statement, but being in a progressive city like Minneapolis, which shuts down, you know, like everything, like the campus, like – what, what was it, the fall of 
2020, they they sent all their players home. So they they had an outbreak of COVID and they they missed all that developmental time. So like they, they and then the, the summers in between, they were shut down for that too. So basically the program in a way got put on pause. You know, while every everything else was moving forward, you know, they had all these players that weren't getting the development time. What I think is fascinating about Minnesota is they have some really good second-year players. And okay. I, I still think Minnesota's another year or two away from getting back on track. But I do think they're going to have this young core of players really stand out this year and, and show that, that that Gopher team still has life in it. Yeah, John Anderson due to retire anytime soon, you think? I yeah, I think it's I think it's gonna happen. I mean, I mean I don't know that no one's told me that. I just think that that I mean forty years is a long time. You know, he's yeah. and he, but he's you know, he's not that old. You know, you talk to him and he's he's still it's not like we're talking about like you know, like Mike Martin with Florida State or something like that. Not that he was old either. I'm just saying that, you know, like John Anderson has been doing this a long time and you just think at some point soon he's going to hang it up okay i have to ask this because this is a question from somebody else is iowa going to be good enough to beat Loras or loris this year <laughs> that's that's spoken like a true nebraska fan right there yeah yeah i you know i'm not i'm not even going to touch that one because i know that i'll let the husker fans have fun with that so well, then we have to go with the next one where Aaron, who was supposed to be with us, asked in the comments, how great was Purdue's tarp? <laughs> yeah, see, these are also good. Yep. Yep. Yeah, no, that, you know, that, that was, I'm not going to lie, that was frustrating because everybody knew what was happening there. I was actually there when that was going on, um, and I was there the day that Maryland beat Purdue in game two to clinch, you know, and then, they, you know, a lot of people were talking about how there were storms coming and this, and, you know, I was, I was on the road and I was traveling around. So I too was watching the storms, but I was able to travel to and from pretty safely. And I'm pretty sure a baseball game could have been played in between all that. So, <laughs> Oh, you know what, I guess when you look back, you think about it, I think it was, uh, I mean, obviously, the Nebraskans love their baseball team and they love their baseball, and it was frustrating for us. But, you know, that whole season last year was just one, it was just one amazingly frustrating series after another. Uh, what, okay, again, sticking with the overall, the Big Ten as a whole, what players do you think everybody should know from whatever team? Yeah, yeah. So, um, Maryland, keep an eye on Matt Shaw. He's their shortstop. He's probably he's not probably he's the favorite for Big Ten Player of the Year going into the season. Um, he had a huge summer out on the Cape in the Cape Cod League. Um, you know, guy that could be a first or second round pick in the draft. Uh, Rutgers center fielders Ryan Lasco. He had the most extra base hits of any player in the nation that's coming back to play this year. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people know that, so I think he's somewhat under the radar still. Just a really dynamic talent, kind of. Kind of similar player to, to Mike Trout, and you hate to throw out that type of name, but just like that kind of like 100%, you know, effort, just really high energy type of player that, that really can do it all in the field. Um, Ty Langenberg is, is Iowa's ace. He's a, he's a right-handed pitcher. Um, that That's another guy that could be drafted high. Uh, you know, for, for Nebraska, it's, you know, Max Anderson, their second baseman, Emmett Olsen, left-handed pitcher who's going to be their staff ace. Uh, those are the two main guys, you know, when you're talking kind of from a draft perspective, guys that could be playing at the next level um, with some success. Those are the guys to keep an eye on. One thing I think is fascinating, Big Ten actually has two pitchers that throw 100 miles per hour or better. And one of them is Brody Brecht, a sophomore at Iowa, who actually also plays wide receiver on their football team. I saw him throw 100 last, what would it have been, March or April. And then George Clausen of Minnesota, um, he was injured, had Tommy John surgery his freshman year two seasons ago, came back. I saw him in the spring throw 99 like it was nothing, and then over the summer I saw him throw 102 without breaking a sweat. So, you know, it's just it's it's cool to see, you know, the Big Ten having some premier arms, some pre premier prospects, um, and that's going to help them get a little bit of attention come spring. 
All right. So uh, I did have a list of questions. All right. Favorite coach in the Big Ten? Oh, man, that's tough. That's not – I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to, like – I'm gonna have to redirect, you know, because I, I hate because I talk to so many of the coaches, and they're all really good. They're all really good people. I like they they treat me with such respect, and they're always so gracious with their time. Um, I've I've Rick Heller is one guy I've known for a long time. I've talked to him, and back when he was at Indiana State, uh, you know, I, I've been I've been speaking with him, and, and just really good stuff. I really I do really like Will Bolt. Um, just he's another guy, you know, like some coaches. When you when you call them, especially with our fall reports, and you're trying to get answers, you know they kind of just go through the motions with you. And I, I think Coach Bolt really is genuinely invested in his team and his time. Um, same with Coach Owens at Rutgers. Like Coach Owens talked about every single player on his team. He made it a point to do so, and, and somewhat to help his players, but also too because he just he loves what he does. And he, he, he knows the importance of talking to people like me on a national level, you know, to kind of get, the, get, that, get that information out there, too. So, but, you know, Coach Hartlib at Illinois is a great guy. Coach Goff at Purdue is, is one of the friendliest guys. And when I, any, every time I, I call him, you know, he just, he's like a boost of coffee. Like when you talk to him, he just kind of gets you energized and gets your day going. So, and then Coach Anderson at Minnesota, he's just such a class act. So he's a little more mild-mannered, but uh, he's, you can just tell he's just a good person, and his heart is all about Minnesota baseball. Ohio State, what is going on there? Who's their coach? Coach is Bill Mazziello. He was a longtime okay. assistant at TCU. Okay. Um, comes on over, and, uh, yeah, I, th I think that's a good move for them. You know, Greg Beals certainly – I don't want to say he did anything wrong, but I think, you know, Ohio State has different expectations. They're one of those teams yeah. in the Big Ten that they expect to be winning. They expect to make the NCAA tournament on a yearly basis. You know, Nebraska's in that picture, too. So when they don't, you know, for, for a couple years in a row, you know, you're going to have outcomes like this. So um, I think Ohio State will, will get back on track. They certainly have some talented players. I would not be surprised if, if that's a completely different looking team this spring. And I think like like Nebraska, they have they kind of have that upset potential. So when you when you look around at this well, this upcoming season, I mean everybody's gonna start out right away. Uh, pretty much on the road. Is there any early series that people should be paying attention to that uh, might give an indication of where teams are, things you're looking for that go, hey, how about that one, and people should pay attention to it? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I, I have to cheat a little bit because I have to look. You know, That's fine. Nebraska is the one that, you know, that – like their early season schedule is tough. You know, they – they open at San Diego. They're at South Alabama. I mean, these are both premier mid-major teams. You know, I, I know a lot of people, you know, if they don't see like SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12 on the schedule, they're like, oh, they're playing some losers. And that's not the case. These are good teams. Um, but well, that leads up to that, that Cambria College Classic in Minneapolis where Nebraska was at two years ago, too. And this year, you're going to have Vanderbilt and Ole Miss at that, along with Maryland and host Minnesota, and then you have Hawaii in the mix, too. Um, and Hawaii is there just because it was originally supposed to be Missouri because you were going to have three SEC teams face three Big Ten teams um, over Friday, Saturday, Sunday at U.S. Bank Stadium, which is the indoor stadium up in Minneapolis where the, where the Vikings play. Um, but that, that's, that's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to be there. I'm really oh, yeah. looking forward to that, seeing uh, three – Good Big Ten teams playing two, you know, obviously really good SEC teams, the defending national champion Ole Miss Rebels. Um, but that's going to be a lot of fun. So, and, and as you know, early March weather in Minneapolis, if you're not indoors, you're not playing baseball. So, yeah, I got, uh, I was at the U.S. Bank Stadium during uh, COVID and I got an, I got like the entire stadium to myself. I was the only non-team photographer there, and I had, like, literally an entire section to, to me. It was kind of weird. But, uh, okay, you guys in the chat, uh, Sam Matney says, 
for some reason the chat is not I can't select messages or anything and things are getting weird and everything looks like it is it's uh, we're not having a good time tonight uh, Sam Matney says FYI John's echoing because of Patrick speaker yeah we know that uh, but your chat questions for some reason aren't coming over into the chat overlay where I can actually display them on the screen so I apologize for that uh, Todd Wolverton asked, Todd is one of my baseball writers, Todd Wolverton asked, is Rick Heller an SEC caliber coach? Could he succeed down there? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. You know, it's really hard to say whether he could, because, because first of all, I think he, he, when you have these coaches, you know, the coaches put themselves on a certain path to get to certain places. Um, and I'm not so sure Rick Heller wants to go anywhere other than Iowa. You know, I think when, when he was at Indiana State and got that job at Iowa, which is, what, eight, ten years ago now, um, I think that's where he wanted to be. And there, I, don't, I don't have a doubt that Heller could go and start, you know, like go to, like, Kentucky or something like that and coach, but I don't think – I don't think he's at that point in his career anymore to do something like that. And I, I may I may have him completely misread, but I just don't think that's what he sees for himself, is to have, to use Iowa as a stepping stone for that next job. Um, someone, you know, like Coach Rob Vaughn at Maryland, I think as an example is, I don't think he's going to be at Maryland much longer. I think, I think that... And not necessarily that he's using Maryland to as a stepping stone, but here's a guy that he's young, he's from Texas, you know, he's he's had other assistant jobs at other places. I I think he's gonna get one of those offers here in the not so distant future that it kind of blows him away and he has to take it. You know, whether that's ACC, Big Twelve, SEC, something like that. Um, I could see him making that next step. Um, you know. To, to to a to a different location. I'm not. I, I just don't think Heller. That's that's an interesting question, though. So you, Iowa is building a new stadium. You said that earlier. That's what I heard a month or two ago. Yes, that they were investing money into a new stadium. I'm pretty sure I heard that. So that would be that would be a fair number. I mean, Minnesota has built one recently. I think Northwestern yep. is updated. Purdue is updated. Yep. Penn State, from what I understand, has one of the better college baseball parts around that they just, uh, you know, their scheduling is a little screwy. But uh, so you you think that, I mean, your indication is that the Big Ten is putting more emphasis into baseball. And you got Iowa. Rutgers, I think, built, didn't they do a lot of facilities improvement recently with Steve Owens coming in? They're actually putting in lights this winter, which is crazy to think about, like a team – not having lights, you know, so huh. Rutgers had to play day games. I mean, you don't you don't even think about that anymore, right? Because, like, you, you just don't think that's still out there. But, yeah, Rutgers didn't have lights, and they they got a new video board just the other day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's I, – I, Illinois is another facility that, that just built a huge indoor, you know, because that's such another big part of it, too, if you can't practice inside. And we're seeing more and more teams where they have that full-size indoor infield which is such a big part of it, so that when the season does start, you go down south, you know, you at least want your defense to be sound, right? So you want to be able to take ground balls, you know, 24-7, 365. And, you know, it seems like such a simple part of baseball, but it's true. You know, like the teams that are able to do that, if you go down south, you play good defense, and at least you don't have that be a separator, you know, so you can still compete in games like that. So... I think Illinois is another one too that's done a nice job. So, so yeah, you know, you do have some programs, quite a few of them, in fact, that are putting in the money to their facilities, which which is keeping them, you know, competitive. So, media, ESPN, I think, has released their baseball schedule, and from what I understand, I mean, the Big Ten has very few games. And the only game that Nebraska has on it is versus Penn State. Uh, you know that BTM struggles with putting baseball on television. Every year, Nebraska fans come out there and they go, 
okay, how many games are going to be on BTN, and they're they're disappointed. And I think we both know why that is. It's because it's the weather in the Big Ten is so wonky that it's very difficult to go out and hire a crew and have them at a baseball field and then have games moved and have games called and you know cameras set up and all that. It's very un undependable because of the weather. But do you see, I mean, anything going on there? I mean, could they move it to Flow Sports? Could they, are we going to, my Nebraska fans hate the BTN Plus stuff because most of the other schools really don't do much with it, and it's very frustrating. I mean, Nebraska fans want to see baseball. I think we have two really good baseball guys on the radio, but they want to see their team play in all these games. Do you see anything changing about that in the future? Yeah, I should have I, I should have prepared you for some of these ahead of time, huh? No, no, that's fine. I actually saw that that ESPN schedule was just released yesterday, and it it brings up actually a lot of different thoughts. And you know, like the Big Ten, obviously negotiated that huge contract, um, for for again for football, basketball. That's not part of the ESPN umbrella, um, and you you just wonder how much that plays a part when ESPN is making their other broadcasting decisions. I don't know. I'm not involved in that world. I don't know. But it, it makes you think about that. Now, the other thing, too, is like the Big Ten Network, again, going back to what we were talking before, I, I don't know how seriously they prioritize the other sports other than basketball and football because I remember times last year, and I'm a, I'm a Big, Ten, sub, Big Ten Network subscriber because I want to watch games when I can't be out at the fields in person. Or, you know, when I can't be at five different places at once. Um, and, and there's games that you, you you can't believe aren't being covered, you know, by, by the network. You know, that you can't get streaming online. And then the other big thing is, like, I, I did watch the Big Ten Network during the course of the spring. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, the Big Ten Tournament was on Fox Sports or something like that. And it was just like, like what? You know, like, like come on. Like, you're doing a disservice to your fans. By by right. by doing things like that, and it's and I'm sure there was a monetary element there that was very appealing, but at the same time, that that doesn't help out you or me from supporting you know the league basically by watching it, me by covering it if you're a fan or whatever the case may be. So I think there's a lot of different things at play, and I do think that's a part of that bigger conversation I mentioned before, where the different programs in the league need to work together to make decisions like this that are beneficial for everybody and not just beneficial for the bottom line or beneficial for the Big Ten as an entity and not necessarily for the individual teams. So right. I, I could go into that a lot longer. I'll end it there, though, but uh, they have some work to do for sure. Okay, in, ter in terms – we're going to get, I'm going to have you, I'm going to ask you Nebraska specific questions in a, in a couple minutes, but I, in terms of where the Big Ten fits, just so everybody, you know, if you're following along with Big Ten baseball for like the first time, the Big Ten, what it, I mean, the, let me back up a minute. You've got the Power Five in football, and you know that the Big Ten is one of the top two. You've got the Power Six in, in basketball. And you probably know that every year the Big Ten is, I don't know, in the top three, a little bit down this year. But, you know, they're, they're still in the power six, and they're still one of the best conferences in the nation. Volleyball, they're the best conference in the nation. Uh, wrestling, it's not even close. Uh, you know, there's other sports out there. But baseball, where did, baseball is way they're below the Sun Belt, below leagues I can't even remember off the top of my head. Where do they fit in the big skin thing, the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean they'd be top eight, I guess. But you know, they're certainly, it's they're not power five. You know, the power five doesn't exist in baseball. You know, you talk right. about the power five conferences. We saw it with the NCAA tournament last year. You know, when two teams make it, um, you put Rutgers, you put Iowa, and any other power five conference. If they're in the Big Twelve, they're in the NCAA tournament. You know, if they're in the Pac twelve, they're in the NCAA tournament. Um, there's, that's, that's where that perception comes in and it goes back to everything, you know, that I've, I've just been mentioning where they have to, they have to work together to build that brand. But yeah, you know, there, it, the weather is, the weather without a doubt is, is going to be a challenge forever. 
right? Like it's always going to be a challenge. Unless they build like a dome in Chicago where the teams rotate playing each other and other teams, you know, like it's going to be very challenging for them to, to, to do what some of the, you know, a lot of the teams down south. Because you mentioned the Sun Belt. The Sun Belt's probably the fifth best team or the fifth best, best conference in baseball right now. Uh, conference USA might be sixth best. You know, the Big West, you know, with UC Santa Barbara, Long Beach State, Cal State Fullerton, you know, these long, well-known programs in college baseball, you know, they're out there too. And there's a bunch of others that, that always are really good at college baseball because it's pretty clear, you know, they prioritize the success of those programs. And, uh, you know, you, you want to see the Big Ten get in there, so it's in that same conversation. Um, but I think it is. You know, I think – and it's and, – and I'm not trying to point, paint this doom and gloom picture because, you know, Minnesota hosted a regional in 2018, and, and Michigan played in the College World Series finals in 2019. Nebraska should have been a host in 2021. You know, I'll, 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 I, I've said that for, for a long time. Maryland hosted a year ago, you know, and, and I, I think Rutgers should have been a tournament team. I think Iowa should have been a tournament team. So we'll see what happens this year. I think the teams overall have scheduled harder. You know, Illinois has a tough non-conference schedule. Um, Indiana has a really tough non-conference schedule. Uh, and, and they're not alone. Michigan always schedules right. tough. Um, so, you know, if these teams have some success, you know, the early month, the first month of the year, that's going to boost the RPI, and that's going to help everybody in the Big Ten. Right. Okay, Nebraska. We have 645 new players. <laughs> I don't even know. You know, the one of the base. I love baseball. You know, I've covered baseball for a while. I'm going to have my other two guys do the majority of it this season. Uh, every year, it's learning new names. This year, the number of new names is well. There's a lot. When you look at Nebraska, I mean, we got Max Anderson, like you mentioned, Emmett Olson. What's returning? What can we look forward to? Do we even know? Will we find out in San Diego? <laughs> I mean, what's going to go on with this team? Yeah, I think the easiest way to put it is you get half of everything back, right? So you get half the lineup, you get half the starters. I will say you get, like, the bullpen is pretty familiar, and, and that could be a strength, um, and I, I do think that's fascinating. I guess I'll start there because I, I do think the bullpen is interesting in that key returnees, like guys like Shea Shaneman and Kyle Perry, Mason Ornelas, you know, these are all guys that, or at least, you know, Shaneman and Perry have starting experience, but it sounds like they're going to start the year in the bullpen, and they could be, you know, a big part of that, you know, and and. And instead of asking their starters to go five, six, seven innings consistently, you know, they want to pack their bullpen with kind of more guys that do have a track record of going multiple innings that, you know, can kind of bridge the gap and put together more wins, you know, and help, help create a more competitive team. And, you know, you get Jake Buns back this year, you know, he, he pitched like what, a game or a pitch or like he was injured the very first game or something like that last yeah. year. And, I mean, that was a big blow, you know. And then you have young guys like Drew Christo and C.J. Hood where, you know, they were freshmen last year and they didn't pitch especially well and they got really limited opportunities. And you got a ton of transfers. You got some Juco arms that can throw really hard. And um, you have a few other guys like a guy from Incarnate, Incarnate Word um, that's going to be a big part. You have a couple freshmen that are going to be a big part of their success. So, so that depth is going to be a lot different. And I think you bring up a good point where – you mentioned all the new guys. Last year they had a lot of new guys too, but last year those new guys were really new guys. Like they were a lot of freshmen, um, a lot of run of like just young green guys. This year you're going to see a few transfers in the mix. You know, and like one big one's Jace Kaminska from Wichita State. You know, and I think he's going to be their Saturday guy following uh, Emmett Olson in that starting rotation, and that's going to be a big difference. And if and if Jace Kaminska has a big year, kind of similar to Chance Roach. Two years ago, I mean that could be a big, big addition from for for the pitching staff, and I like the way that they built it. You know, and talking to Coach Bolt in the fall and talking about the reasoning and stuff, like I really liked his answers. You know, and like and why they were doing some of the things they're doing. Now they obviously need to make it work and make sure that pitching does come to come come together the, the way that they hope it does. 
My, my baseball guy, Aaron, says third year in a row of 20-plus new players, 25 this year, but they are older guys as opposed to freshmen last year. So yeah. more experience. Yeah, I mean, I mean, your your guys would know better than I would. I mean, they they cover the the, the Huskers right there, and they know. I mean, it's it's quite a bit of turnover, and you know, an offense. You know, I I think you have a little more stability. You know, because you do have Max Anderson, you do have Bryce Matthews, um, Garrett Anglum, and Griffin Everett. You know, Josh Karen got a little bit of time last year, but he's going to be a much bigger part of the team this year. Um, I think Bryce Matthews is like what he does is huge. I, I think, um, and, I, and I think the, the team is more confident in him turning the corner. And, and they, they named him a captain just the other day, too. So and it just shows you how big of a role he, he plays on that team. And his defense, you know, needs to be better, to be perfectly honest. You know, he needs to be that rock at shortstop like Schwellenbach was two years ago. And, you know, Max Anderson's moving to second base, you know. You know, Coach Bolt's pretty confident he can do it, but he he hasn't done it for an extended period of time now. So there are some question marks. And you got Charlie Fisher at first base, a transfer from Southern Miss, who, who was mostly a DH up to this point of his career. And then you're putting a freshman, Dylan, I believe it's Dylan Carey at, at third base, you know, who tore it up in the fall and had a great high school career and basically was so good in the fall, they had to find a spot for him in the lineup, which is why Max Anderson's moving to second. So, yeah, you know, like, they, you, there's there's reason for optimism, but there's also reason to to be a little you know hesitant in how far you go to be optimistic. You know, but this is similar to where we were two years ago, going into that 2021 season where we weren't quite sure. We knew Schwellenbach was going to be a stud, right? Right. But we had to see it for ourselves because he hadn't pitched prior. You know, he didn't pitch his first two years in college, and then he finally got a chance and turned out to be the Big Ten Player of the Year. Aaron also points out we have an outfield now. I know last year we didn't really have an outfield. <laughs> yeah. Again, transfers, right? You brought in, it was it, Caden Brumbaugh and uh, Casey Burnham, guys from, from other Power 5 schools. So, so yeah, and they, those are going to be big parts, whether they're at, they're at the top of the lineup or the bottom, and they, they bring different skills, too. They got some speed. They can cover some ground, you know, that they got some on-base ability. So, you know they they got a good balance of of different talents in that on that in that lineup. So, you know, again, you like it on paper. Okay, so I had two questions left. I have about two questions left. One of them I'll think of. <laughs> the other one is this: We hear so much about nil, the nil contracts, the name, image, and likeness stuff. Uh, you're a national guy. Is there much of this stuff going on in baseball? Does the SEC own everything? Is there is Neil a factor here? I mean, what do you see there? Yeah, you know, I'm I I do cover the sport more nationally, but I am based in the Midwest, and I I don't see that affecting the Midwest teams as much. Now, when I went down, I covered the Stillwater Regional. You know, where Oklahoma State, Arkansas were in that, and I covered the Knoxville Super Regional, which had, which is when Notre Dame knocked out Tennessee. And just from talking to people there, and like just kind of whether it be people with the team or the players or the people that cover the sport, you know, you do hear more involvement with the, you know, the the name, image, and likeness. Um, there was one player for Arkansas that I believe was uh, living rent free at whatever place he was at and he would go and, you know, do advertisements for this rental agency or something like that. And another kid was, you know, doing some type, not, I don't want to call them commercials, but almost like just kind of like having his image, right. His likeness is being used for say a, a car dealership or something. And I'm sure he was driving around some type of car that that dealership gave him. So there are these opportunities out there. I see them being more, um, at the grassroots level, I guess I'd call it. You know, it's not quite like the football and basketball teams where they're getting, I mean, they're basically salary employees. Yeah. You know, like you hear about the money that they're making now, and, and it's like, you're kind of like, wow, like these kids are in college and they have 
essentially a full-time job playing basketball, right? You know, and it's it's just changed the sport so much and where teams can go out there and buy a team. You don't see that as much in baseball yet. Yes, baseball is a money-making sport, and the NIL does certainly affect these teams, and it helps teams in the South more. Um, but I see more creative opportunities for teams uh, and, and, you know, companies to go out there and, and do some of these smaller things like that to help benefit, you know, the teams, the program, and the community. So what is your schedule like? Well, we're going to end this talking about you, Patrick ah, Ebert. Yeah. Tell yeah. us about Patrick Ebert. When you, you baseball season comes, do you like go all over the, are you a jet setter guy traveling debonair, going to all the parks? Everybody knows you. Give us some poop on yourself. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like James Bond in college baseball, you know, where it's, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty exciting lifestyle. So, yeah, you know, this is this is actually uh, one of me three part-time jobs that I have. And, um, my, you know, I have a day job that helps support what I do. I'm a graphic designer by trade. Um, I, I cover college baseball for D1 Baseball, and I'm also a contract kind of writer slash scout. Um, where a lot of teams in the Midwest, particularly in Wisconsin and the Chicago area, uh, can can hire my services to come and cover their events. So, um, but like with baseball, I'd say I'm on the road every other weekend, and I usually stay somewhat regional. This year will be a little different because I'm I'm expanding my responsibilities at D1 Baseball. I'm not just doing the Midwest coverage um, at this point. In time. I just saw that comment in the. They have baseball in Wisconsin. That's pretty good. So <laughs> I like that one. But, yeah, um, so like every other weekend I'm on the road. I'll be covering mid-majors more now too, though. So I'm going to be covering the Midwest, which has a lot of emphasis on the Big Ten and the Missouri Valley Conference for me. And then I'm also going to be covering mid-majors. So I'm going to be spending a little more time um, getting into some of the programs that aren't covered on a regular basis that are really good. You know, I mentioned Campbell out there, you know, right. how many people know that Campbell's a good baseball team or like UC Santa Barbara or that Cal State Fullerton, you know, Sam Houston, you know, like Dallas Baptist, these teams, East, East Carolina, Southern Miss, UConn, you know, these teams that are really, really good baseball programs and they've been consistently good. And I think there's stories, there's a lot of stories to, to be told there because, you know, if you turn on ESPN during the spring, you know, you're going to see a lot of SEC. You're going to see a lot of right. ACC. You know, you're going to see a lot of the Power Five. And that's that's where the attention is. That's where the focus. And, you know, and if you're following along the stream, you probably get now, you know, that's that's the backbone. It's like the, it's like the Big Ten, you know. Like they put their money in basketball and football because that those are their money generators. Right. And in college baseball, it's the SEC, ACC, Big 12, Pac-12. So it's not a big surprise. So I really enjoy – um, I really enjoy talking about the stories that aren't mentioned as much because there's a lot, there's a lot of just so many good people in the game. And I think that's why so many people involved with baseball stay involved with baseball. It's because it's the people and then we, we right. build so many connections and, and, and if you've got a passion for baseball and you, you sit down next to someone else who has a passion to baseball, like your best friends instantly. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, when I, when I talk true. to some of these coaches and players from different places, uh, you, you, you really feel that. And it's, it's emphasized again and again. And, and I, just, I just love it. And that's, you know, that's why I love covering the sport at a variety of levels. And, um, you know, to, to answer the question, in baseball in Wisconsin, I know, I'm sure that was brought up more as a, you know, just as a joke. But baseball is, is very competitive in Wisconsin. And at the high school level and – and they have some, you know, D3. Unfortunately, Wisconsin does not have a team, which is embarrassing. Um, but the, at the at that smaller level, there's some really competitive baseball being played. And I'm just very grateful that I get to know and watch and learn from a lot of the people playing the sport here. So this is where I think they – are you familiar with flow sports at all? I am, yes. Yeah. yeah. I My brother – I have an older brother, Jim – and he has been involved in dirt track racing for uh, decades. And he, he's retired now. He, he owned his own business. He's retired. He goes around the country in an RV, and he goes to dirt track races. Everybody knows him. He's James Bond, a dirt track racing guy, <laughs> right? 
But he got he. All of these dirt track races now have Flow Sports covering them, and you can sign up for the you know subscription. And actually, the coverage is really good because they. Well, I mean, for a lot of the dirt track racers, there's a crap ton of money in it. They're putting yeah. crap tons of money in their cars and stuff like that, especially sprint car racing, which is what he enjoys. But I, you know, you'd think that maybe the Big Ten could look into something like that, but I'm sure that. I don't know. Again, it goes back to, well, this is good enough, and, you know, it's baseball. and That's the thing about it. I'd love to see some kind of, I don't know, all the coaches get together, drive up to the Big Ten offices and just storm. We'll go storm it with them. There, organize that. Get on that, Patrick. I'll get on that. I'll, I'll put that together. So I'll, okay. I'll, I'll send out a memo, and we'll meet in Chicago, and will raid the Big Ten offices. So, you know, I will say, you know, on that point, you know, the Big Ten commissioner, from everything I heard, was was pretty upset when the Big Ten only got two teams to the tournament last year. And, and supposedly that was supposed to change a lot of things. Now, if I remember correctly, I think the Big Ten commissioner is no longer the Big Ten commissioner, correct? So, I think did, Kevin Warren went, uh, didn't he go some? he went to the Bears or someplace? That's right. He went to the Chicago Bears. Right. Yeah. So, you just hope that whatever was started yeah. does they don't they don't have to start over, right? So like whoever takes his place puts an emphasis on baseball because to per to be perfectly honest, you know, he he didn't. And I'm not trying to take a shot at him when I say that. It's just that baseball wasn't a priority for him. Right. And you know, and I see it at the University of Wisconsin. They've had multiple athletic directors all of them have been asked about baseball, and all of them have pretty much shot it down. And the only way that we're ever going to get, I say we because I'm a Wisconsin resident, we're going to get baseball back in Wisconsin is when you put an athletic director in that position that wants baseball back. Because otherwise it's not going to happen. Wow. That's just, that, that is amazing to me. I guess, you know, well, again, we started this out kind of talking about how, you know, this conference might change somewhat when UCLA and USC join. So... I guess we're going to see what happens in the next couple of years. And, you know, we're going to see what happens this year, February 17th. The season begins. And everybody, you know, it's time to put up or shut up kind of thing, for, especially, you know, for us in Nebraska. If we go through another season like last year, there's going to be riots. I know I'll be starting one. Anyway, okay. I think that's it. <laughs> Do you have anything else you'd like to tell us? Nope. I think you've given me plenty of opportunities to share. So thank you for that, John. Okay. Well, this is the Five Heart Podcast. There's probably an outro that Greg is going to kill me that I don't remember again because he always does it. But uh, I thank Patrick for coming on and discussing Big Ten baseball. And we might do that. You know what? I, Stitchhead told me he'd talk about Nebraska after the San Diego series because apparently he'll be there. And maybe we'll have you on again, and you know, in two, three weeks or a month, and we'll, you know, where the Big Ten is starting to, if they played some non-conference games, and maybe we have a bigger picture of what the season's going to look like going forward. Yeah, you got to have Stitch on. If you haven't already, he's, I'm, I'm sure you know all about him. So yeah. he's awesome. I've known, he's awesome. I've known Eric for a while. That's all good. right. Thank you, Patrick. Take care of yourself, and thanks for joining us. Go big, Ray. Sure. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me.